This is Solve It for Kids. Hello, my amazing and curious friends. My name is Jennifer, the Dean of All Things STEM and STEAM, and this is Solve It for Kids, the podcast that gives kids and families a peek inside the real world of scientists, engineers, and experts as they solve problems in their jobs using creativity, cooperation, and critical thinking. And now please welcome to the show my podcast partner, Galactic Space Geek, Jeff Ganya. Hello, Jennifer, and hello, listeners. Today's episode is going to bring me back to every zoo visit I have ever done, <laughs> and I can't be alone in this. Wait until you hear what we're talking about today. Oh, this is going to be fun. What problem are we solving today? Can you problem solve like an orangutan? Can you problem solve like an orangutan? That is a very good question, Jeff. Who is our guest today to help us understand the answer to this? Our guest today is the wonderful Dr. Laurel Nimi. She is a wildlife expert and author and National Geographic contributor. Welcome to the show, Dr. Laurel. Thanks so much for having me. We are thrilled to have you. And we're gonna talk about an animal that I think a lot of people maybe know a little bit about, but I have learned so much just in discussing with you. So we're gonna talk about orangutans. But what I wanna know is, were you that wildlife outdoorsy kind of kid? I really wasn't. I grew up, <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, oh, and, right. um, but I always loved animals. So when I okay. was really little, I actually would watch my goldfish and had notebooks full of oh. observations about them. Oh my no God. You know, I grew up watching the documentaries with Jacques Cousteau and oh, Jane yes. Goodall. And yes. I totally wanted to be Jane Goodall and, right. um, <laughs> you know, read all the James Harriet books, thought about being a wildlife veterinarian. Oh. And, um, so I think, you know, I got away from that in college and went more toward policy, but circled back to my original love, which so much of us do, which was yes. animals. That's yeah. fantastic. So was there something that either in college or starting a career, was there something that was your inflection point that circled you back around? Well, you know, after college, I started working on policy and environmental policy and mm, development projects, policy, which impact okay. animals. Yes. And, you know, even my dissertation was about policies that affect animals. So okay. I think it's all about the intersection of how we interact with animals economically and right. how what we know about animals also influences our decisions of right. and how we develop. So there has been this common through thread, but my first book, right. Animal Investigators, was about wildlife forensics. And so I think that circled me back to writing and really delving even more in the animal okay. world, animal science. I like that. I can yeah. follow that trail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I've assumed you've done research on a whole bunch of different animals, but I want to talk about orangutans. Like, what drew you to them? 
Well, it's interesting because, like I said, I was working on policy and developments. And so I got into orangutans because that's one of the animals that has been so affected by deforestation. Oh, yeah. And and habitat destruction. And orangutans are super duper interesting because they're actually, they're one of four kinds of apes and they're the only Asian ape. Oh. And they're also the only fully arboreal ape. And what that means is that they spend most of their time in the trees. This doesn't mean that other apes can't be in trees. But they are not only, you know, their physical anatomy is adapted to a life in the trees, but they spend most of their time in the trees. And so the forest is super important to their life and survival. And so we got into it because they were being hurt when the forest was being. Yeah, their, their habitats were shrinking. Exactly. Exactly. So where exactly do orangutans live? Oh, good. Yeah. Good question. So they only live in two places and there are two islands. One is, it's in Indonesia and Malaysia. So in Indonesia, it's on the island of Sumatra. Okay. Okay. Also the island of Borneo, which is both Indonesia and Malaysia and Brunei. And Brunei, the Brunei portion of Borneo doesn't have orangutans, although eventually okay. they have good habitat, so that might change. But so it's really just Indonesia and Malaysia. Only two cool. islands. Wow. Yeah. In the whole world? Only two uh, islands. Except in captivity. I well, mean. yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, in zoos and of course. So so what kind of trees? So you're talking jungles. So are they like thick jungles, you know, like what we would imagine so that they can swing from tree to tree or... Yeah, you know, and they can live in secondary forests too. So they can live in places that have been cut down. And one of the reasons is that their food, they eat a lot of different kinds of food. So they oh, can, okay. But they, you know, all their food sources are typically found in the canopy. So a lot of fruits. Oh, right. Kinds of fruits. At the very top of the rainforest is At what the you're very saying. Top. And so they use, so not only is their food sources in the canopy, but they also like sleep in the canopy. So oh, they're wow. safe from wow. predators. They also uh, travel. You were talking, Jennifer, about the branches. And so right, yeah. from tree to tree. So they don't really have to come down. So there's, you know, there's just not much reason for them to come down to the ground. But when you cut down some trees, then maybe there's not enough food in your patch of forest. So you have to come down and you're less safe. And oh, or maybe your food sources are gone. And so you have to get maybe scrounge some food on the ground. And that might put you in conflict also with people who are cutting down the forest for crops, especially oil palm, which makes palm oil. So, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about orangutans themselves? Like, I'm wondering, are they very, fa- I don't know if this is the right term, are they very family oriented animals? Like, do they stay together? The science on that is super interesting because in the wild, they're fairly solitary animals. Oh, okay. You know, live with the babies will stay with the mom for about seven years or so because they learn everything they need to know from their mom. Um, And then they'll come together to mate and to socialize. And they come together to socialize. It's interesting when there's big fruiting seasons. So some oh. of the, they have like 
outbreaks isn't the right word, but these mass fruiting events trees do uh-huh. every few years. Sure. I know like our apple trees produce every other year. Right. And, um, right. Anyway, so in the rainforest, the trees, there will be some, ma- when there is these mass fruiting types of events, you'll find orangutans coming together. So they're sort of limited in food sources. So that's mm, why okay. that's right. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah. And they, they it's they sound a little bit similar to humans because when all of our families gather together, what's there always? A whole lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like a big party. Yes. Except we don't have our party in the trees in the canopy. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that wouldn't work. So I'm curious because our question is: can you problem solve like an orangutan? So I'm like, what does that mean? Are they really smart animals and can they solve problems themselves? Is that what you're saying? They totally do. So what's interesting is probably out of all the apes, there's lots of ways of talking about intelligence, but a, a lot of scientists, they've done a lot of different tests and most scientists think that one of the best measures of intelligence is by the ability to solve problems. Right. And if that's the issue, then the orangutans win hands down over other. <laughs> wow. Over other okay. Um, because orangutans have like a tenacity and a motivation to focus on oh. at hand and they really stick with it. And part of that might also be their environment. You know, they live in the trees. They right. have sure. more time almost to think. They're not so affected by predators because right. where they live, the predators are on the ground. Oh. Okay. Um, this is and- sounding like a pretty good life to me. You lay in the trees, <laughs> your food is there, you, no you get predators. time to think freely and relax. And, you know, <laughs> Unless, of course, your forest is being cut down. Well, there, there, is, <laughs> that. there is that. But I'm just saying, as a human, this doesn't sound like a bad life. And in the zoos and other places where they're in, you know, they've also been used in entertainment. And then when they get too big, they come to facilities like rescue facilities, like the right. Center for Great Apes, right. where they live out their life. And so there's also been a lot of stories and observations in those places, again, on the problem solving abilities. So there's the problem solving in the wild, but there's also a lot of interesting stories of problem solving in captivity. Wow. Okay. Can you give us some examples of what types of problems they're solving? So in the wild, what's interesting is that, so every night, like I said, they sleep in the canopy and, you know, big orangutan in the top of the trees, it's thinner. So they- Smaller branches. That's freaking me out. (laughs) (laughs) So they, every night they build a new nest. um, So how do you build a nest in a tree? So, you know, thinking about, you know, where they put the nest to make it safe and secure and right. and also to make it comfy because they actually like comfort. And, so, okay. um, and I should say that's also how scientists count orangutans is because they're very hard to see in the canopy. Oh. And so what they do, and they generally build a new nest every night so they can age the nest and see how fresh it is. Oh. Count the number of nests and know how many orangutans are in a patch of forest. Fascinating. And, um, and so one of the problems orangutans face is rain. 
like there's a lot of rain. And yes, and funny thing, they don't actually like rain. <laughs> <laughs> but they but they live in a rainforest. Right. right. Like, okay. Got it. Um, but they've created, they use in, in the wild, they'll use leaves as umbrellas. Wow. Okay. They'll also, they'll also build roofs over their nests. Talk about problem that, solving. Yeah, that's cool. To use that, they use another another way that they problem solve is with tool use. Now, a lot of us use tools. Oh, we use, right. you know, silverware to eat. We use all sorts of screwdrivers and hammers, and we use all sorts of things. Well, apes do too, and orangutans do too. And again, you know, so they do it across a whole host of things, but they also say use leaves as, you know, they like comfort. So if if like a fruit is spiky on the outside, they might use a leaf to protect their hands. Okay. That's great. That's a lot of problems they're solving. So so you're saying they also, I mean, you can then say that they probably learn over time, right? Like they're kind of like us, like they pick up something, they're like, ouch, that hurts. So I want to eat that. But how do I eat that? I think that's pretty amazing. It's exactly. So some of it's trial and error. Some of it's watching others. They also, interestingly, orangutans have culture, which is basically passing the ability to learn exactly what you were saying socially and pass the lessons down through generations. So scientists have found that groups at different sites have different behaviors. That's not just environmental or genetic. And so like the leaf glove that I was talking about with spiny yes. branches, you know, certain groups use that and pass that down. And wow. another one is that they use moss or leaves for napkins to like clean their hands. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or some groups will use sticks to fish for honey. But they've, wow. they've actually found that only west of this river and not east of it. Even though I'm kidding, that's intriguing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all these indications of culture. I mean, you also have different vocalizations, which is different, you know, just like dialects we have. Right. Exactly. Accents or languages. You have the variations in nest building, both in terms of materials and also how you decorate it. So some will (laughs) roofs over their nest and some won't. Some will line it with different materials to make it softer and others will use other materials. Some use leaves that have anti-mosquito properties. Wow. (laughs) So, you know, and it's all in different locations. So it's just like, you know, and like you might pick up a good idea when you travel and then bring it home and teach your friends, you know, they'll do that. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) So how long does an average orangutan live? So anywhere from like 35 to 50 years. Oh, wow. Wow. I did not know that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Seven years at home learning with mom and then 28 to 43 out on your own. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so how did you pick them? I mean, I know you said that you got interested in them, but did you actually get to go to the rainforest and see them? Assuming you can find them, I guess, right? Well, and so I've done a number of stories related to the habitat destruction. Right. I've also written a book, Orangutan Houdini, which is a story that I heard about 
about an orangutan in a zoo escaping. And I visited orangutans a lot behind the scenes. And I had mentioned that a lot of times orangutans are studied in, you know, or working with scientists with language. And there's one scientist in particular, Rob Shoemaker, who has done a ton of work over wow. 35, 40 years with a specific group that has followed him from different zoos and facilities over the years. So wow. he's been with the same group and he's done a lot of interesting learning with the orangutans that's been interesting. And once you start talking to orangutan scientists, you talk to other orangutan scientists <laughs> and they all have different stories about orangutans they've known. And it's just totally fascinating because the stories are pretty, they're similar and different in a lot of ways, but they're all about problem solving and how orangutans will often escape from where they are. And it's not, and I, you know, I hesitate using the word escape because it sounds like they don't want to be where they are, but it's more like a puzzle. Like yes. they're in, oh, okay. um, in a place, you know, it's like your dog getting into garbage, which ours did just the other day, <laughs> had, like childproof locks on our garbage for the dog. Yes. He figures out how to get into it. And oh, for yes. him, it's a puzzle and he just loves doing it. And you know, like it's interesting because like our dog will put his ball down right by the garbage. And then if we happen to look, he'll pick up his ball like, oh, I was never there. And if we don't look, he'll open the garbage, he'll figure out. And even though we tape it up a whole bunch of different ways, he can figure it out. Well, it's sort of like that for an orangutan where they'll figure out how to get out of their enclosure. And it's not, again, like that they hate where they are or they don't like it because usually they get out and then they just hang out. <laughs> like, look, <laughs> I did it. I'm out. <laughs> you know, <That's> but right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when you think about getting out of a place or when you think about my dog and the garbage, right? you think about, well, how interesting it is that he brought his ball there and he took a look to see if we're going to notice. So that meant that the dog had to think about us. Yes. And yes. Put his yes. himself in our mind. Well, it's the same with an orangutan. It's like they have to look at the situation. You know, for dog, it's garbage. But for the orangutan, it's like lock in a door. Right. right? Okay. Well, how can I open that door? So they'll just sit back and observe. Well, that's what I was going to say. Do they like watch the people go in and out and learn from them about? That's exactly right. They sit there wow. and they figure out what people are doing and then they figure out. So they essentially like notice that something is used to open it. They watch, okay, it's some sort of key. What kind of material <laughs> do I make to make a key? Oh, All right, goodness. Reverse engineer the lock then what kind of material do I have at hand? Oh, I don't have what I need. Maybe I need to trade for it or find it. Whoa. Um, so there's a lot of planning that goes sure. into yeah. this. And then, okay, if I just take my wire and open up the lock, then they're going to stop me. Okay, so how can I prevent that? Well, I have to do it when they're not looking, when I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, you know, then they will know I have some things, so they're going to search for it. So where am I going to hide it? 
Oh my goodness. So like, think of all these steps I'm describing. Yes. And clearly my dog with the garbage, you know, he gets there a little bit, like he brings the ball as like a deception thing. (laughs) I'm loving that part. (laughs) But like, he's not hiding himself (laughs) that much. Right. (laughs) He doesn't do it in the dead of night, you know. (laughs) As you're describing all of this, I'm just... I'm thinking how many lessons humans could learn from the orangutans on how well they're paying attention, learning the lessons themselves without being taught, just figuring something out, doing that problem solving, and then actually attempting it, putting it into, I'm sure, you know, orangutans have to be trying to, like you said, the one, the orangutan Houdini, I'm sure he didn't escape the first time he tried, but he kept on doing Mm -hmm. it until they succeeded. And I'm imagining this being a life lesson book ready for humans to go, hey, if we just follow all of these same steps, we can solve problems in our own lives. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly, you know, it's a lot of observation and thinking and keeping on like, what next? What next? What if? Yes. Questions. And, Who knew orangutans were using the scientific method? <laughs> well, and yeah, trial and error and engineering. So I want to know what happens when they get out. Like, do they have to change the lock? <laughs> because if they're going to put them back in or do they move them to another facility? Because now they figured it out. I'm assuming you put them back in and it's the same lock that they could get out again. Well, typically, like, they'll... If they've gotten out, then you make some adjustment and then they figure it out. So like in a lot of cases, I mean, I, you know, zoos and other facilities don't appreciate like everybody knowing that these orangutans escape, but it happens all the time. And <laughs> like now that you've heard this podcast, like you'll sort of tune into it and you'll start seeing it everywhere. Yeah. You know, you might clear out branches from the enclosure. You know, you might build walls higher, add cameras, security cameras. Right. I mean, even so, was- so you can just watch them get out, right? right. Like, well, <laughs> so you can stop when you see it, but you know, it's, it's he's, he's on the loose, he's on the loose again. <laughs> I mean, there's one facility which I won't name. Which, you know, the orangutan disabled the camera first. I mean, think about oh, it. No so way, the camera. And then got out. No way. Yeah. It sounds so, like a YouTube video, not real and, life. I mean, and there was another, I mean, it's super interesting. Like there was another situation where, you know, at night they're locked in this one facility, you know, in the daytime they go out in their, in right. their big enclosure and outside. And then at night they come in and everyone's locked in their appropriate room. And one orangutan unlocked his own room, unlocked all the others inside the night house. Then they changed rooms and then they relocked them. You're kidding. And then when the keepers came in, when people came in in the morning, like the orangutans were all there, but they were all in different location oh my gosh that's awesome so you think to yourself like why do you do that and you know part of it's problem solving but also part of it's just like a prank you know yeah they're (laughs) totally entertaining themselves you know but it's a sign of intelligence because it's this deception and this oh this will make them laugh and you know so it's just I want to know what the keepers did when they walked in they're like hey 
this is not your room. And they like kind of flip out you know, so they put a camera on and they proved that who was doing it. And then they had a discussion <laughs> with the one who was doing it. And then it stopped. Really? They just yeah. sat down and talked to him. Yeah. Like, I know you did it. And part of it was like, the, <laughs> the, the you know, like the accomplishment and yes. he accomplished it. all good. You know, <laughs> look at me. I did it. I want you all to acknowledge that I did it. And then I'm done. Right. I wow. feel like we should get that orangutan as a guest on the show. That yeah. would be fun. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's wild. That so, really is wild. So as you continue to study orangutans, is there something more that you are hoping to learn or is there something next that you're hoping to learn about them? You know, I mean, I think we know a lot, but there's yeah. so much more we can learn. And sure. like... You know, in certain zoos and other facilities, they're studying apes and language, actually. Wow. And okay. So that's actually interesting. And some of these projects have been going on for years with creating language and abstract ideas. And so it will be interesting over time to see how how that involves and also what orangutans are thinking. Wow. Especially some of the more clever ones. Yeah. (laughs) So what would you want to tell kids about orangutans or if they wanted someday to study them? Do you have any tips for kids about that? Well, I think, yeah, you know, like anything, whether it's orangutans or anything, is to just read what you can about it Uh, and and then share that information with your friends, your parents, their parents, you know, your friends' parents, uh, (laughs) whoever you know. And I think that that changes attitudes because with a lot of animals, it's, you know, people love the animals, but then they don't realize that they can actually make a difference in that animal's life, even if they live far away from that animal. Right. Well, and I think seeing them in person is very important. We were at Vero Beach over the summer. We watched them release baby sea turtles and the ones that couldn't get out of the nest, the sea turtle patrol came through and helped them. And then then they allowed us humans to very safely at a safe distance watch as these like three baby sea turtles made it to the ocean. And that is something that has stuck with me. I've told the story a billion times. It's only, it hasn't even been a year. But the coolest thing was there were kids standing there. And I don't think the kids, like one of them named the turtle. It was Pickles, you know, and whatever. <laughs> and I was like, come on, Pickles. And I don't think she will ever forget that. So I think that what you said is really cool is if kids can learn, people, not just kids, can learn more about the animals and understand, then they can realize they can do things to make a difference in their habitats or in their environments or even just where you live kind of thing. Exactly. And like, you know, for orangutans, there's a lot of rescue centers because what happens is that their forest is being destroyed and orangutans are looking for food and go on to the plantations the oil palm plantations where they're captured and that will often leave an orphaned baby. And so then the babies get saved, but they learn everything from their mom. So there are orangutan schools. And so like kids support these orangutan schools as well. Cause if you think about it, you know, like a turtle. Okay. So you can raise a turtle, but you know, the time frame for an orangutan is very long. Yes. Right what it needs to learn and everyone is important especially when you don't have that many 
in the wild. There are three species of orangutans and they're all endangered and birth intervals for orangutans because they're with their moms so long, the birth interval is, you know, five to seven years. Right. Okay. So they can't reproduce. So Sure. So rescue facilities, you know, kids can hold bake sales. They can tell stories. They can that would be great. Right. You know, kids in New and York wrote a story about a rescue of an orangutan and raise money for the rescue facility. And, and adults can support it too. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> so Dr. Laurel, do you have a favorite fact about orangutans? Ooh, Ooh a favorite fact. That's really a good one. I think one of my favorite fact is where their name came from. Oh, oh. So I'll didn't even think to ask. Before, before I answer it, like, where do you think their name came from? Orangutan. Okay, well, it sort of starts like the word orange. That's where sort I was sounds going. sounds a little bit. Is yeah. it at all based on their color? That's what I was thinking. You know, exactly. And it's interesting because that's what you would think, right? But we're and- wrong. <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> she totally led me on. I thought I had it was Jeff's idea. But I, you know, I find it's interesting because you know the name and the color is deceiving on a couple of levels, which is so perfect for an orangutan. Actually, yes, um, yes. you know, because like orange, you think of orange as like a bright color, and it right. is. But in the forest, it actually disappears, and that's because where they live. Oh. These peat swamp forests, which are sort of this muddy orange that reflects up, right? Orangey brown leaves, and then the sunlight filters through and sunlight um, and orange. Mm -hmm. And so, it the canopy will reflect green light and absorb the red orange light, which is the color of their fur. So, they really totally disappear, which is again one reason why it's hard to count them and why science. But also, it's also one reason why I think it's funny that their name is not from the orange of orangutans, but it's okay. from the original Malay language where orang means person and utan means forest. So person oh. is oh. literally what it is. That's way better. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes way more sense. Although, you know, I would that's what I would have thought was the orange. But um, I like well, forest person better. Yes. Yes. Well, this has been so much fun, but now we are at the part in our show where we ask our guests to give our listeners a challenge. What challenge do you have for our listeners, Dr. Laurel? I think a good challenge is to that your listeners should try building a nest. Oh, Uh, like I was saying that orangutans every night, they build a new nest to sleep in. And so listeners can build a nest and it's not as easy as you might think or maybe it is because like some orangutans will just hump leaves together and poof you're done (laughs) yes you know you can just poof some pillows together and poof you're done but you know if you think about it you can first choose the right spot where you want to put your nest right right you might want to build it what you might want to use as a base right what you might do to make a mattress or make it softer and then if there's okay. any either decorations or other stuff you might add, like a roof or a pillow wow. or a blanket or other kinds of decorations. Right. So I would be really curious to get pictures. Um, that would be fun. Nests that yes. listeners build. 
I, I like that. that. I like that one a lot. I think that'd be fun. I want to see if anyone builds like an umbrella, you know, like when, when I was, I was little, maybe... I used to build like umbrella forts, you know, with umbrellas ah. and then put my, you know, pillows underneath that. Oh yeah. We were maybe... big. We were big into force when I was a kid too. Yeah. So maybe my use of umbrellas over my pillow fort was like, was what led you to the orangutan shadowing? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> oh, well, this has been such a great discussion. I have learned so much about this amazing animal. I will make sure the next time I go to a zoo that has one to just sit there and observe them. Oh, absolutely. I want to see if somebody's trying to pick his lock or, you know, <laughs> he's watching me when I'm watching him. Right, exactly. Well, thank you so much for being on Solve for Kids, Dr. Laurel. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. I told you, I know I am not the only one that remembers <laughs> seeing and loving the orangutans whenever I visited yep. a zoo. But to learn this much about them, I need to get back to a zoo and visit them again and just stand there and watch for a while. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they're so smart. These creatures are so incredibly intelligent. So I'm not sure if I can problem solve as well as an orangutan (laughs) can. What do you think, Jeff? Can you? Uh, I I think that's going to depend on what problem (laughs) we're talking about. Like what I'm making for dinner, (laughs) I probably can. But I don't know about building this nest at night. Like I like to think I could build a good one. But after what Dr. Laurel was saying and how smart they are and how much thought they put into it, you know, I've got lots of distractions in my life where this is part of their daily life. Like this is a focus for them. So I hope we get to see a picture of somebody's nest that they built in their house like an orangutan. Well, and, you know, the cool thing to think about, too, is they build them in tree branches. Yes. Right, so they kind of have to like balance it's them precarious in, and... in all of these different things. So take that into account if you guys decide to try this challenge. And if you do, we'd love to see pictures of it. So check out our website, which is solveforkids.com, where we'll have more information about Dr. Laurel on there. And if you do build a nest or want to ask Dr. Laurel a question about orangutans, Go to our social media. We are at KidsSolve at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would love to hear from you. And also check out Dr. Laurel's book. She has some pretty cool ones out there, including one about an orangutan. Absolutely. This episode was all about how orangutans solve problems. But Solve It For Kid is all about solving problems. So to find out what we're going to solve next time, stay here and listen for Jen and Jeff on... Solve Solve it it for for kids. kids!